Second Chronicles chapter 15, and we preached this Sunday night, verses 1 through 3, but I want you to look at verse number 4 this morning. The Bible says, But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to them that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexation were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. Nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities. And he had taken them from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord and gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with them. Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Speak to our hearts now. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject, on the road to revival. The road to revival. You say, well, Brother Gravely, we just come out of revival. We just had revival. And certainly that is true. But I want to say this morning, let us not forget what God has done and what God is doing concerning revival. You see, revival doesn't end uh, whenever the meeting's over with. In fact, you can have a meeting, as I've already said, and not have revival, amen? You can be in the midst of revival when others are having revival and you and I still not have revival. And I tell you, God did a great work the last two weeks in our church, but if you're like me, and I'm sure that you are, I don't want it to end just because we have the meeting has ended. I want it to be something that will last, amen? And, and Azariah comes to Asa here, and you know the story. We preached the other night about three things that we cannot do without. As he told him in verse number three, that for a long season Israel had been without the true God, without, uh, without the teaching of the priests, and without the law. But he proceeds further in this message here uh, to give Azariah a word of encouragement and remind him that Azariah, you have the responsibility being the leader of Israel uh, to help put the nation of Israel back on the right path that leads to the road of revival. And can I say this morning, as a pastor, I bear that responsibility. The deacons bear that responsibility as the leadership of the church. Uh, it's in our hands, amen. We cannot bring revival, but it's our responsibility to keep things right, to put things in the right path uh, so that we can be on the road that leads to revival, amen. If the man of God and if the and if those that are in leadership, the Sunday school teachers and those that have responsibilities in the church, if they don't bear the burden and have a burden and walk right and live right, the church will not see revival. Isn't that right? I think Brother Fleur mentioned it one day that it's so important. To, hey, listen, if you're a singer or if you, if you do anything in this church, uh, listen, whatever it is that you do, it's important that you have a burden and a hunger and you take your responsibility very seriously. Amen? Don't lay it aside and haphazardly do that, but give your best for the honor and the glory of God. And then I want to say this morning that as an individual in your home, as, a, as the husband, as 
the father, as the leader, you're the one that bears the responsibility to make sure that your church, or I mean that your home has revival, amen? You've got to be the leader that God wants you to be. You've got to have a hunger and a thirst and live for God so that your wife and your children that lean on you can experience revival. You're to lead them down the road of revival, amen? You may be a wife this morning, but I would say you bear the responsibility for, of your children, for you're with your children more than your husband is, and you're to be an example and to be a godly example of prayer, and you have that responsibility to lead those little ones uh, uh, down the road to revival. So when we think about that this morning, uh, Azariah comes to Asa, and in verses four through nine, there's three things uh, that he gives him uh, concerning the road to revival. I'll give you these three things this morning and be through. First of all, I want you to see in verses three through six, the remembrance, amen? As what Azariah does in verses three down to verse number six, uh, he just simply reminds him uh, of where Israel is at. You know, if you're, you and I are gonna have revival, we gotta take a good look at where we was uh, and a good look at where we're at, isn't that right? In other words, we've got to remember some things. Uh, he wants him in verse number four to remember Israel trouble as he says but when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel. In other words he said Asa, he said I want you to remember the trouble that Israel has been in. I tell you if you stop and think about it this morning every one of us can testify that we've had some troublesome days in our life amen. We've all faced trouble isn't that right? Some of that trouble came beyond our control and some of that trouble came as a result of self-inflicted wounds uh, because uh, we made some bad choices in life, amen. You know, it's one thing to make bad choices, but it's another thing to make them and learn from them. When you make a bad choice, learn from it and don't ever do it again. Some people just go down life's road over and over and over and live in a vicious cycle because they never learn from their mistakes. And now he reminds them of Israel's trouble and of their turning, how that in their trouble, look what the Bible says in verse number four, they turned unto the Lord God of Israel. Listen, God don't want trouble in our life, but God will use the trouble in our life to be a tool to bring us back to him, amen? If that old prodigal would have never gotten trouble, guess what? He'll never turn back to the Father. And sometimes God will let you and I go down our way because we didn't listen, because we didn't obey his word, we didn't do what he said. He'll let trouble come in our life so that he'll turn us and bring us back to him, amen? And he reminds them of their turning. He reminds them in verse number four of their triumph, amen? As he said that they sought him, notice this, he was found of them. You think about this in verse number four. Israel walks away from God, they get in trouble, they realize they can't help themselves, it's seen all throughout the Old Testament, it's a repeated cycle they don't listen to God they go their own way, they get in trouble, they can't help themselves and in despair they cry out to God and you know what God should have done he should have turned his back on them he should have left them to themselves he should have let them sink in their own mire, but you know what he said yeah I've loved thee with an everlasting love, he said my mercies are 
are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He said, my compassions fail not. And the God of glory and the God of grace, he turned back and reached down and rescued them time and time again. I want to say God has been that faithful in my life. I've not always been what I ought to be. I've not always done what I should have done. He should have left me to myself. He should have let me sink in my own mire. But in my trouble, in my distress, as a psalmist said, I cried unto the Lord and he heard of my cry. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what that says to me this morning is that any victories that I've gained in this life, I've not gained it within myself. I can't stand up here this morning, nor can you, and say we've accomplished anything but by his grace, but by his mercy, but by his own hand. He has helped me along life's way, amen. It'll get the pride out of you in a hurry, amen? When you start remembering how sorry you are, but how faithful God is. You might be here this morning and say, preacher, I'm not where I ought to be. Well, I got good news for you. Just like Israel, if you remember, hadn't God been merciful to you before? And if God has showed you mercy then, if you'll repent and get right with God, he'll show you mercy right now, amen? You don't have to live the way you're living. If you'll remember the tri- remember the times, look what he said in verse number five. And in those times, there was no peace to him that went out. I tell you what to keep us all on track and right with God is if you'll stop and remember the times you get away from God, do you have any peace? If you think about the bad decision and bad choices you make in life, are you truly happy? No. The devil say, well, if you'll just hang on to this one little thing, it'll bring you happiness. But when you stop and think about it, it might bring you a moment of pleasure, but it brings you far more misery than it ever brought you pleasure. There's no peace in in drifting from God. There's no peace in making bad choices. You may do what you want to and you may live the way that you you please, but at the end of the day, when you pillow your head, uh, you're not satisfied. Uh, You're not where you you want to be at. I'm telling you, when you're right with God, you know something? You may not have two nickels to rub together. You may not know where your next meal's coming from. Uh, You may not know how you're gonna pay the light bill or or pay the water bill, but I'll tell you what you do know. You can lay your head down at night with a blessed assurance uh, that somehow, somewhere, someway, uh, God is gonna take care of you. Uh, he will keep you afloat. Uh, I'm talking about remember the times, amen. Then he said, remember the trend. Look what he said in verse number, uh, verse number five. He said that uh, there was no peace to him that went out nor to him that came in, but great vexation were upon all the inhabitants of the country. Here's what he says in this verse. He says that because, uh, he talks about the trend, that because Israel turned away from God, it not only brought judgment on some, but it brought judgment on all. Isn't that right? And he wants them to remember that trend that what they said, it affected not just them, but it affected everybody body around them. I would say to you and I this morning that for you and I to fail to have revival in our life, it affects our children, it affects our grandchildren, it affects our spouse, it affects our church. No man lives to himself and no man dies to himself. I'm telling you, listen, you and I are either a liability or we're an asset to the work of God this morning. I want to say there's a lot of young people going bad, but do you know what? And I'm not making excuses for young people. But young people can take preaching. Brother, I've never had one young person ever get mad at anything I've ever preached to them. 
You can get in their face, you can rebuke them. I don't take no pleasure in that, don't want to do that. I'd rather just see them all live for God and never have to say anything. But you can preach as hard as you want to. Young people, they never walk out. They never get mad. They ne- Listen, they, they just take it, amen? But it's the moms and dads so many times that get sideways. And the reason a lot of young people have gone the way that they have, and I'm not justifying their decision, but because mom and dad live haphazardly, they wouldn't live dedicated. They wouldn't live consecrated. They allowed things to come into their life. And you know what it did? It affected their children. And what you may see in the life of your children may be nothing more than a guard that you have let down in your own life uh, and it's filtered over into their life, you say, but I'm not doing what they're doing. I'm not thinking the way they're thinking. No, but because you're not thinking on a spiritual realm, because you've not put the godly things in their life, uh, you say, but I take them to a good church. I want to tell you, friend, that's not enough. Amen. I take them, they hear the King James Bible preach. That's good, but it's not enough. Uh, it's got to be a reality of God in the home. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, listen, your decisions will affect your children. Amen. You talk about a dad that lies and hides things. What do you think them children's gonna do? A mother that manipulates. What are the children gonna do? You think about this morning. If you're here and you say, well, I'm not where I ought to be at, well, then think about your children. It's gonna affect their lives. There's a trend that is set. There's turmoil. Look what he said in verse number six. And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city for God did vex them with all adversity. You see, this morning, if you make poor choices in life, it will bring turmoil in the life of your children. If you go down life's road and you decide this is the way I'm gonna live, you say, well, preacher, I'm still gonna go to Bible Baptist Church. I'm still gonna sit in Sunday school. I'm still gonna come here, but I'm just gonna do some things I wanna do. I'm gonna tell you something, that's a selfish way of thinking. It'll not only affect you, but it'll affect your spouse. It'll affect your children. It'll bring turmoil to your entire home. You see, you and I cannot do what we want to do. We ought to obey the word of God and do what God tells us to do. What I'm saying this morning is you and I should remember every decision we make Make, it affects those that are around us. You know, if I was to come into church this morning with just down in despair, just defeated, sarcastically get up here and just say, well, let's just get the service started. Let's go. And Brother David, come on and lead us a song. And, and just act like I was just, didn't, just had a spirit of sarcasm about me. Do you know it would affect the entire congregation? It doesn't mean that I'm anything. It just means that that spirit reaches out and gets a hold. Some would go away from this building and say, man, what in the world's wrong with the preacher? We need to pray for him. He, he pray God will touch him. Others would go away and think, well, I didn't really see anything wrong with that. I, and, and after a while, the young people start picking up that spirit of sarcasm. Some moms and dads without even knowing it would detect that very same thing. You see, everything we do affects those around us. If you're a spiritual person, you can affect people spiritually for the good. If your speech is positive, you can minister grace unto the hearers, as the Bible says. But if you're down in the dumps, if you're, if you're negative Nelly all the time, if you're always feeling sorry and self-pitying yourself, if you're never positive, you know what you do? You drag your husband down. You put him in the, you put him in the ditch and give him a bad, a bad spirit as he goes to work. Or you pull your children down. If you're a husband that's quick-tempered and always quick on the handle, uh, then listen, uh, you're gonna defeat your wife. You're gonna discourage her. Uh, I'm talking about everything we do affects others around us. You wanna have revival? The road to revival is a road of remembrance. 
The road of revival is the road of reassurance. Look what he said in verse number seven. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your reward, for your work shall be your reward. Now here's what he does. He reassures him of three things. Number one, he reassures him to be strong. You know, if we're gonna live for God and have revival in these days, you're gonna have to be strong. You know what it means to be strong? He said in Ephesians 6 and verse number 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. You know how to be strong in the Lord? Get in his word. You know how to be strong in the Lord? Spend time in prayer. How to be strong in the Lord is don't waver on your convictions. Have a chapter and verse as to why you believe what you believe. You may have the precept or have a principle, whichever it is, but know why you believe what you believe and be strong in it and make your mind up that you're not gonna be moved. Be strong in doing the will of God. If you know the will of God, just do the will of God day in and day out. Doesn't matter what the day is like. There may be the mundane days, the ordinary days, but stay faithful to what God has called you to do, where God has placed you, where God has put you. Be strong in that. When others quit, when others waver, when others go a different course, you just be strong in what you know is right, be strong amen, he said in this verse uh, 7, he said be ye strong therefore you see Asa had to be strong if he was going to be a leader we live in a day when we have a lot of noodle back people, can I get a witness on that they don't want to stand for nothing they're afraid what people's going to say about them, what people's going to think about them by the way, if you're going to be strong you don't have to be your own individual and to be your own individual means you have to surrender to God and be what God wants you to be, not what others think you ought to be. Is that right? You can't live by the standard of others. Live by the standard of this Bible. Don't let others, listen, don't worry about popularity. Don't worry about friendships. Don't worry about a favor of man. Don't worry about everybody's pat on the back. Just do what God said. Be strong in that. Stay with what you know is right. Teach your children to be that, to follow God, to be their own individual. And I'm not talking about doing what you want to do when I say that. I'm just talking about, listen, don't have an identity crisis where that you've got to measure up to everybody else around you. Measure up to this book, amen, measure up to the preaching of the word of God and be strong in what you believe and what you know. Brother, there's some things by the grace of God I don't ever want to change on. Is that right this morning? Be strong. When your children get 14, 15, or 16 and they're in the battle of their life and they decide that they want to drop some convictions, you be strong, amen. If God told you, that, if it, it, listen, it's not something to be strong when they're this age, Amen. I'm telling you where the rubber meets the road is when they start getting about like this and like this uh, and they start well, they start fighting. Them. You know what your children need? They need you to be strong. They don't need you to belly up and say, well, I see things a little bit different or we're gonna go a different route. Uh, I'm telling you, you'll lose your kids that way. You say, but I might lose them if I'm strong. Uh, if there's ever a chance of ever gaining them and getting them right, you're gonna have to hold, amen, in a world that's unstable, in a world that's falling apart, in a world that's constantly shifting. They've got to know that there's some principles in this book uh, that mom and dad never changed. Uh, they stood even when I didn't stand with them. Amen. Be strong. Then I'll say be steadfast. He said let not your hands be weak. In other words, don't be lazy. Don't let it waver. Don't give in to the pressure. Don't give in to the pressure. You know, I, I thought about this morning. I, I've had friends in the ministry. Some of them are not even in the ministry anymore. I had a friend the other day I just reached out to that he's not even in the ministry anymore. I reached out to him. I, I'm not going to go sit down. I can't go down and sit down with him. You say, why, preacher? Because he's living a very sinful life right now. 
I can't, I can't go hang out with him. But I reached out to him the other day and just sent him a message and I said, hey, I just want you to know I love you and I'm still praying for you. He sent me a message back. He said, I appreciate that. I want him to know that even though he's not right, I'm praying for him. That I'm still a friend to him even though I can't be a friend with him. What I'm saying this morning, be steadfast. I've had friends go the other way, but we can't change course. Church members have went the other way, but we can't change course. I tell you, if we could get everybody back that's ever left this church, you know what? I don't know if there's a church in Fort Oglethorpe or Rossville that we could put them all in, amen? Because there's been that many come through. And I'll tell you, I don't know how many others will still come through, but I know this much. I don't know who'll stay and who'll leave. I hope everybody stays and nobody ever leaves, but I've nailed my boots down. Amen. I know where I'm going to stay out. If God don't move me, if God don't tell me, and I pray he never does, I plan on, amen, being here and being an old man and staying right here and staying where God put me. You say, why would you do that? Because he brought me here 21 years ago. And if I don't ever get orders from heaven to go anywhere else, I'm just happy as anything, staying right smack dab in the will of God. I want to be steadfast. Hallelujah. Everybody don't have this privilege, but I'm glad I raised my children in one church. I'm glad it's all they knew and all they know. There's something to be said about longevity. Is that right? Things happen, and I understand that. Some of you can testify to that. It don't always work out that way, and I, and I know that. But what I'm saying is, they, you need to be strong. You need to be steadfast. And then he tells them, he said, I want you to be sure. He said, for your work shall be. Rewarded. You ever felt like serving God that sometimes it, it don't pay? I knew I wouldn't get an amen when I said that. But I'm, gonna be, I'm just going to be honest with you. Pray for me. Because in my flesh, I know it pays. Don't run up to me after service and start quoting scripture to me. I don't know. I know it pays to serve God. But I'm going to be honest with you. There are times in my flesh when you are working your tail off and trying to do what you're supposed to do and, and, and then, then things just happen and things just, and, and you just get, sometimes you just think, well, man, why do the wicked prosper? God, why are they being, why are things going good for them and why is this happening over here? I'm going to tell you something. That's just the flesh. And there's been times I've thought that. There's been times you thought I'd be lying to you if I told you I didn't think that. But here's what I know. I'm glad, thank God, regardless of what I feel, I'm glad there's some things I know. Amen. When I don't feel like it pays to serve God, I can open this book and I can read a little line like that where it says, and your works shall be rewarded. Be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much, not as you feel, but for as much as you know, amen, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, amen. I'm gonna tell you most of serving about God is not about the way I feel, it's about what I know, amen. I'm telling you, I'm glad what I know outweighs what I feel, but what I know sure is making me feel pretty good right now. I'm glad I know some things uh, that when my flesh cries out and said it doesn't feel like it pays to serve God, I can say I know, I can be assured, not on my feelings, but I can be assured on the word of God, it really does pay to serve God this morning. He 
says the road of revival is the road of remembrance. It's the road of, re, of reassurance. And, and then I want to say this, it's the road of repentance. Look at verse 8 and 9. He tells him in verse number 8, he tells him that there needs to be courage and repentance. He tells him in verse number 8, and when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded, notice the prophet, look what it says, he took courage. You know what preaching will do? It'll give you courage. Azariah walks into Asa, and he just, I thank God for a man of God that'll preach the truth. He didn't worry about the prestige and the, and the popularity and the position of the king. He just told him what God laid on his heart. Don't you like to go to, that's the way I like to go to church. Amen. I, I told Brother Fleur, he said, I don't want your people to get uh, burnt out. I said, they won't get burnt out. He said, how do you know that? I said, because it ain't about personality. I said, if it's about your personality and mine, they'd get burnt out in a heartbeat. But I said, it's because they love the Bible and you're preaching the Bible to them. I said, they won't get burnt out when it's the Bible. I'm gonna tell you something about that book. I'll tell you, if you, long as you preach the word of God, people will go out and say, man, that helped me, preacher. Thank you. You know what? It wasn't me and I know that. It's that book that helps us, amen. And as long as you say what the book says, it'll give you courage. Amen. You can come in with your lip hung down and feeling like you lost your best friend, but you let a good old fashioned message, amen, how that old black back book straight delivered across the pulpit. I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll give you enough courage to charge hell. It'll give you enough courage to go another mile. It'll give you enough courage to draw some lines in the sand. It'll put you on the battlefield on the front line. I'm talking about the road to repentance. There's got to be courage in repentance. You know how the flesh is? It's amazing. Invitation can be given. It doesn't matter when and who it is. I'm not talking about myself when I say this. And sometimes, I don't even know why this is. As many trips as I've made to the altar and you've made to the altar, is your flesh like this? Sometimes a particular sermon can be preached and that flesh will rise up and say, now don't you go to that altar. That flesh will say, well, you're the, you're the pastor. My flesh has said that. I blame it on the devil, but I, I'll be honest with you, I think it's my flesh. I always say, well, the devil talk, but it's really not the I think it's the flesh. The flesh is saying, I don't go to that altar. I mean, you're the pastor. I mean, somebody's going to be looking at you. Yeah. Or the flesh is saying, well, you know, you've got to preach next. I mean, you're really going to go down and pray. Why don't you just pray in your seat? I'm not trying to get you to come to the altar this morning. If God don't speak to you, I want you to stay in your seat. But I'm going to tell you something. To repent takes courage. To repent, you've got to be willing to admit that you're wrong. Can't be right all the time, can we? I know I think I am and you think you are, but we're really not. We're not right all the time. We don't do everything right, do we? I'm telling you, I don't like talking about this subject, but we have to this morning. I'll tell you, I can think of 10 things off the top of my head that's wrong with me. Can you think of 10 things that's wrong with you? I can think of 10 things that I don't like about myself and that others don't like about me. And if you can't think of 10, I'll give you 10 that they don't like about you. Come see me after service. It's brutal, but it's honest. I don't even ask my wife. Some preacher, I hear preachers all the time say, well, how do how you think that went? I don't ask her how it went. And preachers, talk, Brother Fleur's talking about getting in the car and said, you know, you ask your wife how it went. I said, I don't ask my wife how it went. You say, why? Because she will tell me. And I appreciate the honesty when I ask, if I ask. <laughs> But you know what, you gotta have courage to repent. You can't always be looking over your shoulder thinking about, you know, well, people's not gonna think I'm too spiritual. I'm gonna tell you something about spiritual people. They repent. Spiritual people repent often. 
Ain't a man in the Bible more spiritual than David. When you read the Psalms, David's constantly repenting. I'm gonna tell you something. The how you stay spiritual is repenting. If you're a person that says, well, I don't need to repent. I don't wanna repent. I don't wanna be. If you don't repent, you won't be spiritual. You'll be fooled. I see not only the courage and repentance, but the cleanliness and repentance. Look what the Bible said. The Bible said in verse number eight that he put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin. You know what you and I have to do? We have to take away them idols. Get them things out of our life that don't need to be in our life. I remember one time I went into a store to, just to browse around, wasn't looking at anything bad or anything like that. But I went in a store and I, and, and I, and I walked across and and brother, they had a section of, of baseball cards there. And I used to, and I've, you know, I've told you the story. I used to collect baseball cards, surrendered them to God, got rid of them. But I'm walking through there, and it's been, it's been 15, 20 years since I give them up. And I'm not saying it's wrong to collect baseball cards, but I made a God out of it in my life. It was an idol to me. And the Lord dealt with me one day. I spent more time with that than I did with the Word of God. And at 15 years old, the Lord said, I want you to give them up. They got a hold of you. So I gave them up. 20 years later, I'm walking through the store and I see some, I see some cards here and I'm looking at this. You know what? I think I can handle this now. <laughs> you ever done that? I thought, you know, I, th- I think I'm just going to buy some cards. I mean, I, I'm not as attached to things as I used to be. So I spent $20, bought a box of baseball cards. And uh, I mean, God let me, sometimes God lets you do things. He let me buy the cards. I'm walking out the store. I got the box. I'm feeling good. I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy these. I'm probably, I'm probably going to buy some cards I never could afford when I was a teenager. And I walk out and I get in the car and the Holy Spirit says to me, you know, you could have gave that $20 to missions. <laughs> Boy, it's quiet now. <laughs> you could have helped a missionary with that $20. I kind of ignored that, went on down the road and thought to myself, well, you know, that's not God. That's the devil telling me that. The devil never tell you to support missionaries. And I get down the road and the Holy Spirit said, didn't I tell you 20 years ago to give them up? Boy, I was sitting there going down the road and I thought, I said, Lord, you did. And they're gone. I won't buy another one. He said, what would you do with them cards? I sold them to somebody for $40. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't do that. Wished I would have, but I didn't. <laughs> but you know what? If God ever told you one time to get rid of something, I promise you he ain't changed his mind about it. And this crowd that says God told me this, and then years later they say, well, you know, I, I, he really didn't know. He really told them. You see them idols. Them idols can get all of us. Cleanliness. God wants to make us clean. Then I'll say this. They come get us a song. Get ready. The construction. They rebuilt that altar in verse number eight. I'm not going to preach all of it, but they renewed the altar. They repaired it. There's some altars we need to repair. We need to rebuild. If you're here this morning, you can see a time in your life when you're closer to God than you are now. Consider yourself to be backslid. Rebuild that altar. The commitment and repentance in verse number nine, the Bible said that all the people, all the congregation fell out in abundance before him when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. I want you to notice that last phrase. 
when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Now get this and I'm done. Asa brings all the people together and tells them what Azariah told him. And what the people saw was that God was with him. And I'll tell you what's been the saving grace in my life is to associate myself with people that I could tell God was with them. Amen. They may not be perfect. They don't always do everything right. But I know God's with that person. And I want to tell you this morning, you know this morning. You can hear a man of God preach, you know if God's with him. You can hear a saint of God testify and shout, you know if God's with him. I'll tell you this morning, the road to revival is a road of repentance. Stay with the crowd that you know God is with. I'm going to say this. We don't need a fog machine. We don't need blue lights in the choir. We don't have to have a praise team. Amen. We don't need all the gimmicks. I'm not out to just bust that crowd. I mean, I don't care what they do. They do whatever they want to do. But I'm telling you, we don't need those things. This right here is what we need. And can I tell you? This right here is what we need. And I ain't just talking about this book. I'm talking about a song book and a Bible and people that'll testify and people that'll pray. Right there is what we need, a missionary. That's what we need. That's all we need this morning. That's all God's ever used. And that's all he's ever going to use as we stand this morning.